ACL Nation, what's going on? It's Michelle Thompson here, and I am joined by Anthony Ione and Trey Ryder for Around the ACL, and we had another packed weekend of cornhole, but before we get into that, just curious, I know Trey, uh, you were there in Texas, right? You were the only one, I think, out of all of us, so I definitely want to hear how the weekend was for you, and uh, also, Anthony, did you get time to watch cornhole, or were you a little busy with something else? I got some time though. I had to squeeze it in. Yeah, we had a graduation party for my oldest daughter, Jasmine, and an 18th birthday. So we hosted a, a huge, it was 80 people at my house. So it was a bit, a bit insane. But I got, I got my cornhole in. I got my cornhole okay. in. Not as much as Trey, probably, but I got it in. Yeah, no, it was, uh, uh, yeah, I got, I got plenty. I got plenty in my doses. Yes. But and no, you, it and was your cool. dose of uh, heat, right? <laughs> Yeah, luckily I stayed inside almost the entire time. Like just to me to walk to my car. Like at one point I walked outside to hand out like Bacardi after party wristbands, and I was like, I, "They can come inside to get them." Like they can. <laughs> I'm done with that. So I'm not gonna do that. So uh, no, it was great. It was it was cool. Like when we first got there, there was a little bit of chaos because you know we were working. We were on site of the PBR, the Professional Bull Rider world championship their world finals and so they had been going on for seven days before that and throughout the entire weekend they were doing their world championships and so we were like underneath dickie's arena in this fan zone so like anytime you go to like a big like a big sporting event you know they always have like a fan zone that's got like vendors and like merchandise and all that well in the like in the below the second level underneath Dickie's arena that they had this entire concourse of like merchandise. And then our broadcast cork got put in a room right in the center of it. So people were continuously walking in and out and that was really cool. And then we took over, we like kicked a bunch of vendors out for a week and for the, the part of the weekend that we had our event and we, we kind of were in the concourse of that area doing all of the, all of the games, but it was really cool. Um, we did a couple of VIP events with the PBR and we're kind of developing a little bit of a relationship with them, but you know, it was cool to watch cornhole. I loved, I love the venue Fort worth. I'd never been to it was a pretty cool place. You know, we were staying on campus pretty much at TCU. That was cool too. Um, but yeah, overall I thought it was, I thought it was a good weekend. And then on top of that, we had some, some great games to go along with it. Heck yeah. So I heard Kat say there were a lot of spectators because of that. Like, did people stop and watch games like outside oh, of our yeah. group? Oh yeah. There was hundreds of people um, and, and trying to measure exactly how much would be tough, but like you got a continuous flow of people just walking all the way through. Cause you'd get plenty of people just walking in there to see the stuff of the professional bull riding. And then they'll be like, what in the world is this? And like, <laughs> So I saw more cowboy hats this weekend than I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) I don't doubt it. All right, well, let's dive into this. Uh, First, let's start with the pro shootout. That was on Friday, so I was able to watch all of that, which was very exciting. Unfortunately, my weekend was really busy, which made it difficult to watch the rest. But I did get to watch that shootout. I was super excited about it. Uh, Love to hear your guys' thoughts on what occurred there. For women's singles, Cheyenne Renner took first. Chelsea Hubbard took second and was really yeah. impressive. Um, so excited for her. It was kind of funny to see. I don't know if funny is the right word, but when they put her on the broadcast and it was like ranked this and then Chelsea Hubbard ranked 227 or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Like, wow, like this is what the shootout can do. Um, and then in third, Deborah Onum and Connie Altice. Um, for men's singles, we had Jamie Graham, Tanner Halbert, 
and then Matt Guy and Joe Neistead. Joe Neistead sneaking there. I'm sure Anthony's got something to say about that. And then for doubles, Brett Guy and Eric Davis, which somebody on the show may have called as a hot take. I don't know who that person would be. Yeah, <laughs> me. Yeah. Oh. I said, I told Eric, thanks for making me look smart. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Jeremy Frazier and Dave Sutton. So let's get into it. Let's start with uh, singles. So Trey, what are your thoughts on singles and the shootout side of things? Yeah. So uh, first looking at Cheyenne Renner, uh, obviously when, if you weren't watching it uh, and didn't pay attention to it, you kind of just see Cheyenne, you like foregone conclusion, right? We kind of knew that was going to happen, but the boards were, it was, it was sticky the whole weekend. The boards kind of were slow. There were certain sections that they got really good airflow. What they couldn't see was we were kind of near a lift gate. And so when that lift gate came open, all right, and they were loading stuff out one side of the complex and one side of the room would just get a little bit warm and a little bit tacky. So there were times where Cheyenne Renner kind of had to limp through to get where she wanted to go and, and just grind her way out of it. But then we got on the broadcast court, and when we started warming up, and we saw that the boards under in that room, new, brand new boards were playing fast. I was Ice. like, "It's over! Ice. It's over!" Right? Because I mean, and that's exactly what happened. Now, Connie Altice, the the reason I think that game was so close is because she loves those conditions too, mm-hmm. and she really played up. Cheyenne did not play down at all. She played at her best game, and Connie still took her right to the end. And I think that's the level of potential that we saw in Connie Altice. And I talked to her afterwards. I said, if you had played anybody except Cheyenne, you'd have won. Mm-hmm. Um, if Cheyenne hadn't have been there, that was that was your shootout to win. So um, I think that's good news for for Which is the Connie. case going forward. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's good news for Connie. If she's able to make that broadcast court and they stay fast like that, she's going to be okay. So um, was was really impressed there. Obviously, you talked about Chelsea Hubbard. It was a good breakout performance for her. On the men's side in singles, you know, again, similar story. If you didn't watch it, you see Jamie Graham and you go, wow, the kid is unbelievable right now and nobody can touch him. What they didn't see is that Joe Neistat had a huge lead that got eliminated in just a couple rounds. And then Joe Neistat had a four bagger to win it in the last round and couldn't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he limps through that game. Jamie Graham then switches to fire assault bags <laughs> in the finals. Okay. So weird. Which I hated, by the way, hated that decision. And I told him that afterwards. He said, I won. I said, doesn't matter. Right. If Tanner Halbert doesn't miss five, ga- five bags in two rounds. Yes. In the middle part of that game, there's essentially no difference in score. So I think, um, but either way, he, but my whole point is he switched bags he played with a tacky back, and he just grinded, and he found a way to win. And that's not a, J- a version of Jamie Graham that we've seen at all this season. Mm-hmm. We've only seen a dominating Jamie Graham when he's playing in the top level. We had yet to see one that had to grind through some wins, get a little bit of luck, but then, of course, just be timely and consistent and focused. And uh, so, so kudos to Jamie Graham. It's a different way he could win, and he, and he got it done. Absolutely. Anthony, what do you want to add to that? Yeah, Trey, good explanation. Uh, I kind of wanted to, you covered the details. I kind of wanted to look at it more in a bigger approach. So just a quick explanation for those that don't know the shootout format. So it's different than our standard first to 21 that we're used to, right? It's round limited. So in the case of this weekend, we're talking 12 rounds or first to 21 in bracket play. 
and then it went to 10 rounds on TV. So in the standard cornhole format, we see 24 plus rounds often. So in this shootout round limited format, we're seeing games that are really only a fraction of a full game. So check this out. Here, here just kind of give you an example. In doubles, Ryan Smith and Eric Anderson are knocked out with a seven to five score. Jamie <laughs> Graham won his bracket 10 to nine. A Mark Richards, who has just been killing it all year, he his shootout chase ends with a seven to six loss. So we're talking about, you know, way less than 50% of a full game. So it's like, hey, I'm going to go bull and I only get three to five frames or I'm going to play a two to four inning baseball game. So what does that mean? And Trey, I think you say it the best when you say it adds a level of intensity to the game. Baggers are limited on mistakes and it changes how the game is played strategically and really requires, I think, this whole nother level of focus to deal with that added stress of, I can't make a mistake. I only get one mistake. So good example how intense it was. Tanner Halbert, and you were calling it there, Trey, and you, you called it well. You said he was deep in the tournament in both matches against Matt Guy and Jamie Graham. He had a fourth bag airmail in his hand, and he had to hit it to avoid going down seven points at like, it was like the second or third round in the game. So put yourself in Halbert's shoes where you're like, this fourth bag right here in the second round either ends my shootout game now I'm yeah. done or it keeps me alive, right? So it's an entirely different game, 100%. Um, you mentioned the board speeds. I definitely, uh, that, uh, to me, that was a big one. I was, I'm glad you brought that up. I think it was a factor. I mean, I was talking to Halbert on the side. And, and to me, the biggest confidence killer is having the baby a bag on ice boards. I mean, especially for anyone who throws hard, the minute you have to baby a bag, your confidence is gone. I mean, Halbert's up there. Baby and bags. You see a few times where he throws a bag and it hits a level five and it goes the full length all the way to the hole at full speed. And you see him just go, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll kill confidence. Matt guy said the same thing. I caught him on the side and he said, yeah, they were fast. But pros, he said, pros need to adjust. That's what we do. We need to be pros and they adjust. And then Jamie Graham making that change um, to the, to the, to the, uh, to the assaults late in the game. You said you, you didn't like it. Do you think the board speed played a factor in those final couple games um, between who would have won and the bag choices? Do you think it was a factor? His bag uh, got stuck I, on the hole. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I thought it was about a, that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a factor. Uh, certainly, it's just what I, it'd be different if what I saw from Jamie Graham in the semifinals to get there was ugly. Yeah, mm -hmm. and he threw seven bags off the back of the board. <laughs> Right. right, he didn't. He threw one, and it was the yeah. first bag of the game that he threw. Okay, I thought he overthought it because he said, "Oh man, these are too fast." Well, the results show that it wasn't too fast. Same thing with Tanner Halbert. The results for me do not show that it was a bag speed issue. Why he lost? He missed going left and right. He dominated Matt Guy in the semifinals. Mm -hmm. Dominated him, and, and and I just didn't see that from him in the second game. So. Certainly, I think it made – I thought every pro made an adjustment that they needed to. I thought everyone made an adjustment. Um, I don't think it decided anything, but it definitely made things more interesting. Yeah, in the in the mind of – just one closing comment, Mish. In the mind of a bagger, when you walk up to ice, there's two things, right? I'm going to change my landing spot. Depending on the bag, you're going from like a level three or a four down to a level five. And when you get to the front end of that board – 
that really jacks with your confidence because you're like, I can't go in the dirt. I can't go in the dirt. So then what else can you do? I can raise the profile of my bag a little bit. Normally I throw an eight, a seven or eight foot high bag. Now I got to go to nine. So when you're making those little adjustments, it really does kill confidence and in, in just baby in the bag, especially for uh, someone with a, uh, with a fast bag in their hand is the worst. So I can see, I could see the emotion on their face. I knew exactly what they were thinking. Um, but, but ultimately you see the, you see the people in the final who you expected to see there. So, um, yeah, good job to those guys. Absolutely. It's, and then going into, speaking of going into, uh, that, well, you didn't even mention Joe Neistat. Hold on a second. <laughs> Wait a second. Saving it. Saving it. <laughs> he, I guess he's oh, saving okay. it. <laughs> all right. All right. Fine. Fine. All right. Well, uh, do you want to quickly check on doubles? <laughs> and then, uh, Trey? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Brett Guy and Eric Davis. <laughs> Again, I think it was just a story of they figured it out, right? I I just uh, clipped all the highlights from that doubles, and I couldn't find anything from Brett Guy and Eric <laughs> no. Davis. Nothing, right? It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't pretty at all. They threw a couple four baggers, but it was very un Brett Guy and Eric Davis esque. I mean, it was just a weird. Thing. And they were down seven to two in the last round. They had only scored two points the entire game until the last round. And I feel bad for Dave Sutton. Throws one off the back, throws one off the side. Yeah. Wreck guy finishes the four bagger, ties it up, sends it down the other end. If there's any saving grace, it's at least it wasn't him doing it twice, right? Yes, he's the one that lost it to get to overtime, but then Frazier gave up the points at the end. So in a way, yeah. It's almost like misery loves company in a way. It's like you're almost glad that both of you were responsible in some way for the ultimate totally. loss. But, man, yeah, tough, tough break there. Um, and and because uh, they had a chance to really break serve, as I like to say, and yeah. really screw up the, 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 the number of teams that we thought were going to get in there. Maybe people all along thought Brett Guy and Eric Davis were going to be able to get back to one. So now we're kind of back to – which of the which of the big teams is going to be next joining these guys? They were a plus three thousand, by the way. I'm like, if only I could bet. I yeah. bet verbally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to bet monetarily, uh, but man, I would have won some money. <laughs> yep. Anthony, any additional thoughts to add? Not a whole lot of thoughts. I mean, Dave Sutton, I, I don't know what's going on with this guy, but he just has a knack of just kind of like showing up in these things, you know. Yes. You know, it's. I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, Lopez Richards, they're showing, hey, we, we, we kill it in the standard, you know, format, and then we can do it in in this shootout format as well. Um, so good to see those guys. Trey Squared showing up. You called them out last last, last week, Trey. So they they had a good performance, ultimately taking fifth. Um, and then as, as expected, Harbaugh and Smith also with a fifth place finish. So congrats to those guys. Awesome. All right. Let's go ahead and bring Mike on from Wharton Corner uh, to talk more about uh, all this fun stat stuff. So welcome, Mike. Hey guys, so like so, so enough cornhole this weekend. I, I can't believe I didn't. I, I can't believe I haven't heard Alex Hicks's name yet. I'm sure that's Not coming. Yet. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> what he couldn't amazing... play in the shootout. He's only twelve. Those shootouts. Yeah. <laughs> well, what an amazing weekend. I just, uh, I just shook my head all weekend long at that. At that. I'm not going to call him a kid. At that thrower. So. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sure you guys will cover that in, in detail when you get to the open portion. But uh, what I want to talk about, you know, indirectly involves Alex. Um, I, I just want to talk about the parity in the league this year. I mean, guys, 
did you see, you know, Trey, you've been doing this for a long time. Did you envision this much parody? I mean, just here, right off the top, the, the biggest heavy hitter, 12 different pro singles events, not counting the shootout this weekend. Well, yeah, we're just going to stick with the regular events. 12 different singles brackets, I should say. Three events, four brackets, and he won. 12 winners. 12 for 12. Is yeah. that just mind-blowing? Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's unprecedented. We've never seen it in, in our sport before. Um, it's, you're right, parody. And I think it's, it's, it's a testament to how the pro division has developed over time. I've said this time and time again. The pro division, pro division started uh, as we need to find a group of really good cornhole players and develop them to be professionals and create a pro division. Notice I didn't say we need to find the 16, the 32, the 64 best players in the world. It was said we need to find a group of really good players, right? And then, then right. the next year it was adding a new group in and the next year is adding a new group in. And next year, you know, then we got to a point where we were full. We were capped at 256. So we had to clear out some of the people and bring some new crop in and clear some. And now we've gotten to a point now where we really filtered it out. So, you know, you have an intense, crazy group of talented individuals that at any given day, you know, they're the best people. They're the best player in their region. When they go to their local events, they beat everybody and nobody comes close and now you get that person playing in a group against some other professionals that do the exact same thing. It really just come down, comes down to who's going to get hot that day, right? Yeah. Who's day even when it? we talk about you, you, you mentioned Alex Hicks. Alex Hicks is ranked like what, 15th right now? <laughs> right, right. He's won three open events, but he has yet to crack a top four and win a bracket at a pro-only event. Right. I mean, that's significant, and that shows you how difficult it is for someone that some are calling the best in the world right now, it's it, it's crazy to think that the best in the world right now can't even win a bracket at a pro event. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. So, so, yes. so not only is it that way in singles, but it's that way in doubles too. There's 12, 12 different, again, brackets, and we got 10 different winners. We've only had two repeats in, in doubles. Yeah, that so, was a mind-blowing one, yeah. Yeah. That's so, crazy. So That's Anthony, crazier. Yeah. Well, what do you think about that, Anthony? Yeah, I think one of the good examples, and I, I was it Misha, I think, mentioned it earlier, when when the graphic comes up on the chart and you got Hubbard versus Odom, and it was like 20-year-old college student and 65-year-old, you know, ex-horseshoe thrower, and it's just like, man, like this game is truly open anyway, 220-something ranked. I think Deborah's like 170-something ranked really open to anybody and anybody can make it deep. So I think that was a good testament of parody to me. Yeah. yeah and I think and we get a lot of recency bias, right? When was sure. the last time anybody on this show said, said Kyle Malone and Cody Johnson. Right. Right. And they yeah. won they a won pro bracket. event this year. Yeah. They won, not even just won their bracket. <laughs> they, they won the entire event. Whole there were only two teams to do that. <laughs> and we haven't talked about we haven't spoke about them in what four because weeks? Because it's it's so hard to repeat. You you win your event and then you kind of shuffle back down somewhere else in the standings. You know, you hope it's high, but you shuffle somewhere off the top of the pedestal. So so the, you're talking about how you're, we're bringing in different layers of, of players. Um, 
out of the 12 event winners and singles this year, bracket, I keep saying event bracket winners, six of those bracket winners are rookies. So, I mean, that's 50% of your field are, are, are of those brackets are being won by rookies. So it's just absolutely phenomenal. Now I did went, I did go back and look last year um, at this point in the season last year, after three pro national events, we had nine different unique singles winners and eight unique doubles teams that had won. So a little bit different, not, not quite as, as much parody. Um, another thing to compare between the two this year, there's a total of just in the singles and the doubles, there's a total of 36 possible names that you could have 12 singles bracket winners and 24 doubles bracket winners. Of course, two P two people on each team. So 36 possible names, 25 names appear in those 36 slots. Wow. Wow. Crazy. That is a big 25. One. Last year, it was 19. So this year, I would have thought it had been even lower last year. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Last year, it, last year you would have thought, but I mean, but we think about the rookie class that we had last year too, to kind of really start bringing in some parody as well. I mean, last year it was Matt guy, Brett guy, Eric Davis. I mean, those, those were, those were huge, huge names that came into the sport that kind of added a level. And then this year we added an even more next year. The, I mean, it may get, I don't even know. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how to predict. I Where mean, are we going to keep finding these guys? <laughs> they're there. Yeah, they're coming out of the woodwork. They're there. Yeah. I think it trends the other way. I feel like we pulled a big chunk of the talent out there with this year's rookie class. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Now, there's, I don't think, clearly some people still out there, but I think we pulled a chunk. I think we'll start getting like other sports where right now you're going to, I mean, next year you're going to have, if a rookie has a really good year, like I'm going to have to be fishing for my rookie of the year and like my number 25 in rankings instead of <laughs> number two, <laughs> number four, number six. Number, I mean, I mean, I think, I think it's going to be a little bit different next year, well, but just, who knows? Just think what it would be like in, in NASCAR if they have the first 12 races of the year and you have 12 different winners, like what everyone would be saying. You know, the, the parody, everyone would be scratching their head and, you know, 12 well, a difference too. brackets. If you look at the rookies last year, at this point, did we know who Alex Rawls was? Yes. Did we know who Josh Holland was? Yes. Did right, we know who right. Tanner Halbert was? Yes. Did you know Matthew Creekiller? Did you know Mark Richards was going to be this good? Like, Didn't so know there there's even sure. right. So the, I would even argue that there's and even even look at Alex Hicks. Could you have said with certainty that at this point last year Alex Hicks was going to be as good as he is now? No. Anthony could have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's exceeded my expectations. But yeah. I'm just kidding. So, you always were talking about him constantly. Well, last year we had three rookies that had won. You know, I mentioned uh, the the bracket winners and singles. Three rookies had won a bracket and singles by this point last year. We are already at six rookies winning brackets and singles this this year. Last year, five rookies had won doubles events. This year, we're at ten rookies have won doubles events. So both of those numbers are double what last year's numbers were for the rookies. So when you have that much talent to invade a pro division like this, 
parody has to ensue. You know, it's yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Crazy. I agree. Crazy stuff. And I am curious to see how it trends going forward. Uh, I think we're going to see some changes for sure. But um, yeah, so, we want to so get. Let me, let me get your guys' picks before we go. Are we going to have any repeat winners coming up in, in uh, at the final chase? Just a bracket Greg? winner? Bracket winner. I'm, I'm only talking brackets. We're going to have okay. a, a repeat bracket winner. And you care to give me a name? I'll say if we have. Say yes. No, I say we have three. Yeah. I'll say you're, you're almost three out. You three three repeats. Then you have three We're repeats. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, I'm gonna say, go out on a limb and say we get one new bracket winner, and I'll I'll flip a coin between Ryan Windsor and Alex Hicks. Ooh, Windsor's mm -hmm. a good call. Okay. All right. What do you think, Anthony? I, I agree with I agree with Trey. We're gonna have some uh, definitely some repeats. I love the Windsor call. Um, I mean, why wouldn't we go with an Alex Hicks? I've been, I've been saying everybody's it's coming. It's coming. It's going to happen. The sweatshirt. Yeah. Where the, let's, let's go. Uh, baby goat. I like, yeah, it's baby goat. I would say. All right, Mish, what do you think? We're going to see, yeah. uh, we're going to see repeats. I think we're going to see repeats. I definitely without a yeah. doubt. I can't wait. Gonna, so this is four unique ones. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go out and I'm going to say there's only going to be a, a minimum of one repeat. I think we're going to have three new names. This oh. is the year of parody. All right. That's here's here's a better question. Uh, here's a better question. All right. It has to be four unique ones. Who are the four unique ones that you would have to go after? Right. I think the low hanging fruit was who I just said, probably yeah. Alex Hicks. Looking Jimmy through Humans, the looking through Devin top Harbaugh. ones. Devin Harbaugh, Jimmy Humans, Damon Dennis, Noah mm -hmm. Almanza, Alex Hicks. Eric Davis, Philip Lopez, Ryan maybe. Windsor. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities. Hey, there's hey, so what about many. what about what about that guy named Trey Birchfield? Oh, who's that? <laughs> Jordan. He Power. might. What about that girl <laughs> Cheyenne Renner? Right, Jordan right. Power. I, come on, right. there's, there's so many. I, I'm not I say confident in my answer me. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm staying confident. I'm staying confident. I'm just playing devil's advocate. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, thank you, Mike. All right, Mike. I can't wait to see how it, how it shakes out. Me as well. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we do want to get into the open next, so we appreciate your time, Mike. Thanks, All right. Mike. Take care, guys. And we've been touching on it, but uh, obviously the big standout player with the uh, all the winning <laughs> would be Alex Hicks. Anthony Reppin, his sweatshirt there, the baby goat. Uh, level one singles, Alex Hicks takes first, Devin Harbaugh second, third, Eric Davis and Jordan Power. And for doubles, Ryan Windsor and Alex Hicks. And then Tanner Halbert and Eric Zockline. Uh, and I don't know, do you even have it on here, uh, Trey? You don't. So Alex Hicks also wins the uh, blind draw to take all three of those. Everything he competed in, he won. So I'd say that's pretty good. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, say that's uh, yeah, something to go yeah. after. I was going to say, the only reason I don't think I put it on there is because, I mean – Keep in mind that no pros could play or or played in the advanced blind draw. So and getting Jordan Jordan Camba that like everybody saw that and they're like, well, should we even play? Should we? Yeah, even, should we yeah. even play it? I mean, it was it was fun. But no, there's I mean, there's really good advanced players out there. Advanced players win opens all the time against pros. So I, I yep. would never count anybody out. Um, but yeah, go ahead and give us your thoughts on the recap of the open. Yeah, well, I mean, 
<laughs> there's not much to recap except for Alex Hicks, right? Um, <laughs> kid was unbelievable. Um, you know, at, at times I got, I felt a little bit of you know, validation specific. I'll let Anthony talk about Alex Hicks. So I'm going to talk about everybody except Alex Hicks. Okay. I got a little validation seeing how good at times Eric Zocline and Tanner Halbert were because I kept saying, if we just get an Eric Zocline playing in a high level, they're going to do really well. And sure enough, that's what happens. Okay. When Eric Zocline played at his highest potential, they, they won. And not only did they win, they dominated. Okay. And there were times I looked at a game on the bracket. Okay. That was a close game that they barely squeaked by and won. And it was um, when they barely squeaked by and won, it was uh, Eric Zockline throwing an 8.5 points per round average. Then I look back at the bracket, okay, and they score, they win a game in dominating fashion. It's because Eric Zockline throws a 10 6 5 average. So, I mean, there were there were points when I said to myself, this is the team that I expected it to be when I saw these two line up, but they've just been a little bit held back because I think ultimately, Eric Zockline, I look at the finals here of the winner's bracket. Tanner Halbert and Eric Zockline versus Ryan Windsor and Alex Hicks, the team that ultimately, a rematch of the finals that would come later, okay? Eric Zockline threw a 10.9 points per round average. 10.9 and they win 22 to 17. Okay. Wow. We then we then go into the finals. Okay. And we get Eric Zockline throwing a nine and Tanner Halbert throwing a seven, two, five, and them losing 21 to six. Okay. So what I'm getting at is there are flashes still of that team being as good as they can. And you know, I, I think um just we're going to see them win a bracket and, and really go far. I think at some point, only other people, I'll couple mention Devin Harbaugh looks like the Devin Harbaugh. I kind of anticipated coming into the season, Eric Davis bounced back in singles. He finally played to the level. I thought, I thought Michelle was going two for two for a second there. I thought she was getting an open singles and a pro shootout double. Right. Like, right. This kid is is just stroking that right roll, now. the roll where it rolled over one bag and then rolled over the next bag like and they yeah. were i mean like and they were far apart like that yeah. was that was nuts i, I mean you just I talking about that was crazy just <laughs> bananas just bananas so um i thought what we were looking for for top pro prospects we definitely saw um you know ryan Wiedenfeld was really really good Grant Upchurch is a pro that I know wants to go, not a pro now, but used to be that I know is on his way back. Um, he played really well. So it, I learned a lot this weekend um, and there were a lot of great performances. Um, but ultimately I know Anthony's got plenty to tell us about Alex Hicks. Yeah. He's the star of the show. I will say, I saw in the comments that somebody said that Tanner Hablert's going to probably have to pick a new partner next year. I thought that was a bit unfair. I think that um, Eric Zockland is a very strong partner. Um, so I was, I'm curious to see what Tanner does do next season. But obviously the star of the show, Alex Hicks, everybody talking about not just the way he can play, but his composure, his maturity, yes. his emotional intelligence, his ability. You can see frustration, but the frustration doesn't take over. I looked over at Eric Davis, the frustration, you could see it visibly on his face as he was giving up points. So, 
Alex Hicks is more than just a great cornhole player. He's he's an athlete. Yeah, so I definitely want to I want to spread the love a little bit because there's a lot of things going on for me that I wanted to touch on. Um, so so just again, kind of big scope for people that might understand. We're talking four different brackets, A, B, C, D, 64 baggers in each bracket. So 256 players is a lot of players meshed into one tournament. So for me right away, I kind of wanted to, if we start with bracket A, I mean, Hunter Thorne. I mean, what's going on with this dude right yeah. now? I feel like he's racking up some serious wins. I mean, I like how Hunter Thorne's game looks right now and really just the whole season. To me, he was he's really improved overall the entire season. I feel like he's trending up. And someone that I want to keep a watch on uh, going into last Nationals and Worlds, Devin Harbaugh wins bracket A, grinds all the way to the championship match. This dude is making a run. So 29th overall after National 1, jumps to 17th after National 2, now a top 10 player in the league. So again, winning a bracket. Devin Harbaugh trending as inside top 10, if you look at it that way, going into Nationals 4. Definitely got to talk about Joe Neistead. A couple weeks back, going into the National into Salt Lake City, I dropped this ridiculous hot take, right? And it was like, a lot of people are like, who the heck is this Joe Neistead guy, you know, winning stuff? And then I've got, you know, Mike Hennessy out there, who's the owner of uh, Lucky Bags. I loved his post, you know, when I said, when I dropped the hot take, he's like, I own, what's in your cup, man? Like, what are you drinking? Like, <laughs> but here's a good example. I loved it. Here's a good example where Neistead was off radar. Not so much anymore. I mean, the nation knows who Neistead, who Neistead is now. Fun fact, this isn't the first time we've seen Joe Neistead on, perform on TV. If we rewind a year ago, I was in Nashville for the USA Cornhole event, club championships. This is NBC Sports when Joe Neistead walks up and makes a TV appearance for the club championship. So now Joe, with a bit of TV experience, he's not done. This isn't the last time we see him. Congratulations to Joe on a breakout weekend. Um, and Trey, what's up with this? We've got this 236th ranked pro player out there. Some some guy named Jordan Power winning brackets. He's ranked 200. What, what is that all about? <laughs> how does a how does a 200 ranked player win a bracket? What is that He's all about? He's not a 200 ranked <laughs> player. Come on now. Um, no, but I think it was good for him, right? He came off of a, a struggle bus uh, at the last event, um, showing why he's he's still in the mix there. You mentioned Joe or uh, Ryan Wiedenfield. I'm glad you did. He goes through Ashen Spees and Tony Smith to take a third place finish in his bracket. This kid is definitely a future pro in the making. Definitely keeping an eye on him. Another breakout for me. We got to talk about Caleb Franklin. He showed up on yeah. radar in Salt Lake. Took fourth in his bracket, going through Trey Birchfield in the second round. Takes the king seat. Check out this run. Hey, round one, we're going to hit you with a national singles champ in Noah Wooten. Win. Then we're going to hit you with the fourth best women player in the world in Connie Altice. Win. Moses Sasueta. Win. You're not done. You got to go through AJ Sims, Eric Davis, and then finally he shoots out or shuts out Eddie Grindersleeve to take the king seat insane run so definitely keep an eye on this guy but uh, yeah to get to alex hicks that match versus jamie graham to me was an epic battle if you haven't seen that one i don't know what it is with alex hicks and epic battles but we had another you know high 30 plus round match was, I think Newell, was it 38 yeah i think noah wooten summed it up the best at the end of the match when he's kind of doing this like you know <laughs> Bow We're down. not worthy bow at the end. <laughs> I mean, that summed it up perfectly. I think Alex Hicks will be one of the best players, will be the blessed player in the world at some point in this game. If you look at the first half, who was the best player? 
Matt Guy, the GOAT. Alex Hicks takes him down at open, num open number four, wins the singles. Fast forward to today. Who's the Yay. best player in the game right now? Jamie Graham. Alex Hicks goes through Jamie Graham, wins his third open singles. Misha said at the beginning of the year, Alex Hicks is going to make a national broadcast. It hasn't happened yet. And remember, the kid is limited, right? He doesn't get the opportunity through shootouts. Right. He's got a trending up partner, but I think he's on his own here to make a TV broadcast in his singles. Regardless, if he makes a TV broadcast or not, this kid's had an amazing season. I'm proud of him, and he has to be of himself as well. So Alex Hicks, the star of the show for sure. How many uh, Fortnite skins is that kid buying this weekend? A lot of, of V-Bucks. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. My son doesn't play, for, doesn't play Fortnite. I don't know. I know Minecraft. That's about it. All right. Let's move into the news around the league. We had the Missouri hey, State. Sorry yeah, to interrupt you. Can I just no, do what we got? We got to give some props here, Trey. To my boy, Noah Wooten, for his open doubles win. Your, your open number 12 tier two doubles championship. Congratulations, Noah Wooten. Wow. <laughs> wow. Nah, nah, in fun, and though. And, I with, mean... and with Hunter Thorne that we were just talking about, yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he's probably laughing at the same thing. In all seriousness, Noah, I know I we're on a time crunch. <laughs> hey, what do we say? We say anyone can win or anyone can play, anyone can win. But the reverse of that is if anyone can win, anyone can lose. And here's a good example. <laughs> we don't. Uh, we don't use that motto around here. Yeah, anybody. no doubt. But he goes four and two. He goes four and two, barely misses the cut, didn't make the tier one cutoff. It happens. Uh, just, I just had to send a shout out to my guy. That was not a shout out. That was a call out. But okay. <laughs> He's going to put that trophy. He's going to put that trophy right next to his uh, his open singles trophy, right on his wall. <laughs> That's motivation. I have been fired. All right, let's go into the Missouri State Championship for advanced singles. Craig Irvin takes first. Matthew Truxell takes second. For doubles, Tyler Amos and Craig Irvin for first. And Justin Lang and Landon Lang. And then for the Wyoming State Championship, Clint McJunkin and Chase Whitman for our first advanced singles. And then for advanced doubles, Josh, Josh Trennell, Brittany Harvard, and Connor McCloskey and Chase Whitman. So great job to everyone uh, on those state championships. We'll keep those stats coming for you as they happen. But let's go ahead and move into buy or sell. So we're going to buy or sell that these players will win a men's or women's singles shootout. First one, I would say, is easy, but... Based on last year, who knows? What do you think, Matt Guy? He's he's got to get it done, right? He's got to get gotta it. Done. He's he's got to get it done. Um, <laughs> I just think I just think that he's just uh, too too consistent. Um, he has too much upside, even if it takes him a couple. He's playing in a different level this year than he was last year. Last year, I had concerns. I don't have those same concerns that I do this year. He'll get it done. I'm buying. Okay, Anthony. I'd buy two. I'd like to see him come up behind a level one block, maybe push through every once in a while. He's really relying on that airmail. Do or die in a shootout format, uh, but he's going to get it done. Uh, side note, before we get – did you see what I was saying on the broadcast? Did you catch the broadcast, Anthony, in full? Yes. So did you see what I was saying, the way he was gripping yes. the bag? Yes. I, he I loved it. He I loved it. He changed it from a vertical to a horizontal – that was the only thing that concerns me a little bit. Like, why are we changing things right now? I don't care. It, it shouldn't make that big of a difference, but it was a change. 
Trey, I love that someone else is seeing that stuff besides me. I I feel less crazy. (laughs) I felt less crazy when you were calling it out. I was like, yes, someone else seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I don't don't know why you change a process that's already proven to win. It does seem odd. Um, All right. And that's more mental than physical, I would think. The changing of things, messing with you. Um, All right. Sam Finley, she going to take a win? What do you think? Buy or sell? You know, what's crazy is predicting who's going to win a shootout in a way is kind of, you know, it's only eight shootout winners. And then we also talk about like the pro invitational is in the national circuit, the top eight ranked females. This is, and a lot of times they're going to have a lot of similarities. You would think this is one of those times. I don't think so. I think Sam Finley will not qualify for the top eight based on how she has performed this year, unfortunately, but Sam Finley has proven that she can win in these shootouts. And mm-hmm. she, I, I am almost 100% confident she will snag one of these shootout wins in women's singles. Anthony, buy, buy or sell. I, I agree. I'm buying. Start of the season, I would have I would have bought without question. Right now, it's like a little bit like, eh, but it's Samantha Finley in this format. I, I can't imagine her not making or uh, winning one of the shootouts. It's going to happen. Agreed. All right, Alex Rawls, what do we think? Buy or sell? <laughs> my only hesitation is I don't know how many he's going to. That's him, yeah, I was okay. gonna go there. I was him gonna go going, there. Next. Him not going to Texas. I don't but he know. Graduated. It, <laughs> I, I true, true. I, I mean, it's not the only reason he wouldn't have gone. I would imagine he'd go to the rest. I'll buy it. I'll buy <laughs> it. But I'm just saying I'm concerned. Okay. Anthony? Yeah, I'll kind of knock two out here at the same time just because it's the same philosophy. Alex Rawls can manufacture shots. Miranda Coy can manufacture shots. And I think that's a really important attribute in the shootouts. If you're limited to just holding out and you can't manufacture shots when you need to, I think you're a little bit uh, in trouble. Uh, Alex Rawls, I think I'll buy that. He's going to win a shootout. And I think the ability to manufacture shots is why he does it. And it'll be the same for uh, a couple down when we talk about Miranda Coy. So let's go there. So you're buying on Miranda Coy as well? Yes. Oh. And I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to buy on Miranda Coy as well because I don't think she wins an early one. I really don't okay. think she – I think I think you have Cheyenne, Sarah, Kaylee, Connie, Connie mm-hmm. kind of take our first half. Megan? But then, yeah, eh, I mean, maybe, maybe. But I think Megan's a second halfer that she could definitely snag one. But my point is, just like Anthony said, right, all those four I just noticed can get away with being really dominant down the center and avoid all of the shot-making and situation that Miranda Coy can put people in. But when I take those out of the equation – all of a sudden, there's a chance for Miranda Coy for one specific day to be by far and away the best player on that in that entire tournament, which I think really plays in her favor. When she can have that confidence, I think she gets one done. So I'll buy. All right. So we've bought everything so far. Last one, Josh Holland. Trey, buy or sell? <laughs> this is, I feel like I can't buy everything, right? Well, you're I about think- to. I can't. I'm buying that one without hesitation. I'm buying that one without hesitation. Okay, Anthony's going by. Yes. I'm going to sell it. Woo! Here we one, go. Uh-oh. For one specific reason. How many times have we seen when Josh Holland gets frustrated, he just he, he, he doesn't want to play anymore? Yeah, what if it's and the I, eighth one? You don't think he's going to pull out the eighth one? 
He should, but it's a 10-round format, and I would have said Trey Birchfield would have won one last year. That's true. That's true. So there, maybe that's hot. That's extremely hot takey. But yeah. I'll, se- I'll sell it just for the fact of I don't think Josh Holland in his first year as a rookie is going to like the round-limited formats at all. I don't think he's okay. going to like it at all. Trey, Fair point. I, just to, I just want to make sure you heard this right. we got a lot of Joshes in this league. Josh Gross, Josh Thielen, Josh Hill, Josh Bor- Josh Borderline. Josh Holland is what she said. Are you sure yeah. you, you got look, the right look, name? I, I've been all I've been all over Josh Holland. I think he's legitimately a top three or four player in the world at any given time. I'm just saying round limited. that the round limited is going to drive him bananas. And he's going to be the guy that gets off the board, throws his bag down, and said, I hate 10 rounds. And he's going to be that guy. I'm telling you. Don't be that guy, Josh. Next season, he may completely correct the year. I think he's going to hate it. All right. (laughs) Okay. Mark this one down. Yeah. He's going to win the next one. I hope that Josh doesn't do that. All right. We've got the USA Forces Cornhole Championships coming up uh, this weekend, May 27th to through the 28th at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado. There's going to be coverage all week on, I can't talk today, you guys, all weekend on ACL Cornhole TV. Um, Every player is a military or public service active, retired, or veteran member. Um, Limit one ACL pro per team. So um, excited about this event. We've got just a few minutes to talk about it. So uh, Trey, I'll let you start. Um, What do you want to touch on for this event coming up? Yeah, I think that it's just highlighting some of the players playing. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. I mean, it won't with NBC Sports Network kind of going away. It's kind of in a limbo where USA Forces will end up as far as TV goes. Um, but uh, you know, this weekend I look at I look at some top teams. Um, you know, Vasquez and Riley have now won this event twice, back to back. So they're the obvious favorites here to win this entire event. Um, you know, I had a chance to call their. A t- call him win once and Anthony's had a chance to call it win them once yeah. the first year they may have been a may have been a favorite last year they weren't a favorite and they still found a way to win so um excited to kind of watch them play again this season see if they can make it a three-peat right um I think uh, Johnny Cox playing with Jeff Shirenbeck, Dylan Turpin playing with Shane Marsh those are going to be two pro-led teams that have a legitimate shot to win this entire thing and, and will be good for them to get some more broadcast experience as individuals. Um, even if it's on just a main featured court um, and it's not on TV, it'll be good for them to kind of being able to play deep in a tournament and potentially get a win will do well for their confidence, especially since Johnny Cox has been not as good as kind of we anticipated he was going to be in his rookie season as a pro. And then the last one I really want to watch prospect Chris Kingsbury he's not a pro but he's really slated to be a pro next season I want to see him really flex his muscles in a tournament like this kind of like what we saw in Canada where, yes. the, where the talent isn't as deep this is an opportunity to to really dominate in that type of field so I, I I'm interested to see uh Chris Kingsbury play Anthony, you got about a minute. What do you got to add? Yeah, no, Trey summed up really well. I do want to say you already mentioned uh, going for the three-peat, Vasquez and Riley. Uh, they did end up going through. A, we didn't know them at the time nationally, but they had to go through. Check out this team that they went through. 
Johnny Cox and Dylan Turpin were a team that they went through at the at the last uh, at the last mm-hmm. event. So they can th- they can throw bags. They're definitely in the mix to three peat. Um, <clears throat> just overall on the vibe, I think it was the Canada Open tray where you said it kind of felt like cornhole rewound five years or whatever, and just the the vibe and the positive attitude. You get that same thing at this style of event. So it is a really fun event to be a part of, and you kind of get that you know that just good feeling of cornhole back for sure. Awesome. Can't wait to watch it. I don't know how much I'll watch. I will be in Cabo, but uh, nice. you better yeah. not watch any then. <laughs> <laughs> there will be boards at the resort. I will be playing. I'm sure. Mm. All right, Trey, you ready for your hot take? Yep. I'm going to stay along the same line of what we just talked about. USA forces cornhole championship. I have Chris Kingsbury beating Dylan Turpin in the singles final of the USA forces event. Okay. All right, Anthony. All right. Uh, I'm also going to stay within our topic. Uh, really, I was talking about a breakout player earlier in the show, Caleb Franklin. I mean, he's really impressing me right now. He was 149th ranked after Nationals 2. I think Caleb makes a strong push at National 4 in the World Championship, and he finishes inside top 30 of pro singles, which would be a massive, massive jump for him. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and really challenge Trey. Josh Holland wins a shootout. <laughs> that's, that's lukewarm, Michelle. <laughs> Not according to you. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's all we got time for today. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We will see you next time on Around the ACL. Everyone have a great holiday weekend.